How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Elves Up podcast. In episode 21, we're going to be going over our Stanley Cup preview and uh, kind of just giving our predictions on the series and what we've seen uh, in the conference finals and everything like that. So uh, I'm super excited to get into that. But uh, before we get into any of that, I'm your host, Brett Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Keen Kilback. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's, it's been a while. Uh, I'm staying busy, so I'm a little bit behind on you know all the news and stuff, but we'll, we'll still have a good episode here. Lots, lots to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, besides the playoffs, we have had some quieter news uh, just this week. Uh, it was announced that uh, former Flames GM Brad Tree Living, uh, he's been an, or he's been uh, hired as the uh, new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, kind of just getting into that, uh, we've seen a little bit of his uh, of his uh, press conference to get into uh, and get into the Leafs management role. And he says that he kind of wants to, you know, keep the core four together. But I've also seen a lot of reports saying that like he wouldn't have been brought in if he wanted to do the exact same thing that Dubas did, and that, but that was just like kind of running back every single year. So it's gonna be interesting to see like where Tree Living kind of takes us because uh, similar to where, what we saw in Calgary, like there's a lot of good pieces, but he's not afraid to you know dish them out or, or trade them. He's a pretty aggressive GM trading Kachuk, and uh, obviously he lost uh, Goudreau too. But um, it'll be inter- interesting to see. Uh, kind of what tree living's um offseason looks like because I'm, I'm sure it'll be pretty eventful but uh what, what do you think about this uh this hiring for the leafs yeah well i i seen that he said something about how it's not about the core four it's about the toronto maple leafs and he was saying like i got 23 guys or whatever to worry about not just you know yeah. the core four so that makes me think and obviously we know that you know he's not afraid to make a big splash he's not afraid to trade you know a star player like kachuk I, I mean, I guess Kachuk was kind of asking to be moved, but still, I wouldn't be surprised if we see probably Nylander moved. I don't know who else you would trade. I mean, you're not going to trade Matthews. You can't trade Tavares if you tried. And it would be pretty dumb to trade Marner, I think. It would be dumb to trade Nylander too, but you know, I think that that could be maybe a little foreshadowing just to kind of say that he doesn't value those guys you know, that much. Like he's not focused on just those four guys, you know, and, and maybe it'll be a good thing to kind of just not have so much focus on those four guys, right? Like that's all everybody talks about. Like it's, it's been like that for years. It's, oh, you're never going to win with four guys making, taking up half your cap or almost half the cap. Like, you know, it, it's just been the story forever with the Leafs. So it, it might be almost a relief for the guys in the room, you know, the team and the management just to, you know, get rid of one of those guys so there's not as much comments about that so yeah it, it'll be interesting to see you know if, if he does make a big trade like that i think that he, i think he's a solid gm like i think he got a lot of hate you know recently like i've been seeing so many people saying like oh that matthew kachuk trade alone was enough to get him fired but like i mean obviously it hasn't aged well as of now but at the time i didn't see many people saying that it was bad really for either team, no, right? Sure. Like, I, I mean, Huberto was coming off 150 points. Nobody thought that he would get 60 or whatever he got this year. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and we are still like a top pair defenseman in my opinion. He, he's great all around. So it wasn't near as bad a trade as, I guess, you know, people say, especially at the time. So I don't think you can fault him for that. I think that he did pretty much as good a job as you could do after losing basically your two best players, Kachuk and Gaudreau. I think he did what he could have done. It just didn't go as well, I think, mainly because of coaching. So I think that he's still a decent GM, and we'll, we'll see what he can do in Toronto. 
Yeah, for sure. Like I, I completely agree. And kind of just talking about what he did with Calgary, it's like I remember after that trade was made, a lot of the you know personnel on Sportsnet and uh, and TSN they had the Leafs going to this Cup final this year, and like the, everyone was really high on the trade. And obviously, he also got uh, Kadri in the, in the free agency too. So that was another good addition that he brought in. But um, as far as the new chapter with the Leafs, I, I think if I were, were tree living, I would definitely try to get one of Nylander and Tavares off the block. Uh, I'd definitely prefer to get Tavares off. Like I know he's a great leader and everything, but I feel like he's just making way too much money for how much, you know, offensive output he kind of produces. Uh, he had a good playoffs, but um, just kind of, you know, as a whole, he hasn't really been that $10 million player that we've, we've seen him to be. And that's obviously going to be a pretty tough contract to, to get rid of. So I don't know. I, I don't see them packaging Nylander and Tavares together, but I, I would definitely want to trade one of them uh, before opening night uh, next year. And uh, like I said, it's probably going to be Nylander uh, more than Tavares. But um, yeah, if you're looking into those trades, you got to think that the Leafs are in a win now mindset. So it'll be interesting to see like what, uh, what Nylander or Tavares could be kind of exchanged for because they're not going to be wanting any younger guys than uh, than what they are right now. And they're not going to be wanting any older. Like they're probably going to want someone that's right in that same age range and uh, probably preferably a little bit cheaper too. So uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head what teams or players kind of kind of provide that, but it'll really be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, uh, he's got a lot of, Tough decisions to make, I would say. I, I, I think that you're right that getting one of those guys off the books would definitely be a relief, kind of, as, as I mentioned before. I think you can cross out Tavares you know, off that list as far as being traded because I, I'm pretty sure he has a no-movement clause or, at the very least, a no-trade clause, and I just can't see him waiving that. I mean, I think that he wants sure. to be in Toronto, right? Like, he's... He, he he came here for a reason you know everybody's seen that pajama picture when he was a kid and i think he wants to stay here probably probably for the rest of his career who knows but uh, yeah i think for that reason and just because i mean i don't know who would want him really like i mean it's kind of like jonathan taves the last few years like nobody wants some, somebody making 10 million dollars unless they're like in their prime in which case that never happens anyway right so yeah i just can't see him getting moved and you know, moving Nylander is probably the best option, like we said. So, yeah, I mean, what kind of return do you think you would get if they were to trade Nylander? Like, he's pretty underrated, in my opinion. I think I think he's over or overhated in the Toronto media. Like, everybody just hates on him. Like, you know, he's la- lazy all the time. All, everybody's saying all this. But, like, I mean, he almost outscored Marner this year. And, I mean, I don't know why people complain about how he's lazy, but they don't complain about how Kane or Ovi's lazy, right? Like, you know, almost every team has a player like that, like Malkin on the Penguins, you know, maybe Shifley on the Jets at times. You know, everybody has a team, a player like that, that that's, you know, kind of takes a night off every now and then, if you will. So I think that he gets, you know, overhated for that because that's not his job. But his job is to put up goals and points, and, he, you know, he's been doing that. I think he had a career year this year, so he'd probably get a big return. What do you think he would get? I think it's going to come down to Nylander. He's going to have a, a pool of teams uh, to get traded to, I guess. They'll have like eight teams or something like that of like destinations that he would you know, be interested in going. So it's kind of hard to say what teams those would be and build a trade around those. But I think if you're tree living, you got to find someone who has that you know, physical edge as well. 
because we've we've seen that all these smaller skilled players hasn't really worked out too much for them. And uh, yeah, I would definitely try to go after someone uh, who has both that like offensive output, um, maybe sacrifice a little bit of of offensive output uh, in exchange for you know some maybe more defensive or more physical role that this future you know player could fill. So off the top of my head, it's it's really hard to say someone like that. Obviously, I think uh, Kachuk and uh, players like that, but there's not many of those guys around the league, and um, not anymore. No, and so it's it's kind of I think I'd have to really sit down and think about it. But if I was tree living, I'd be looking for someone uh, to maybe I'd be all right with sacrificing some offense for some better defensive, physical, and definitely some more size too, because we saw that the Leafs are just so soft this playoffs, and uh, they they just get pushed over, right? So they need someone that can maybe play on that first or second line that uh, that can you know like pull their own and maybe protect some of the others. But uh, in addition to that, uh, I think you might not get a a one-for-one type of deal because Nylander, he's such a, he's kind of a a weird player where he's getting paid a lot. He's very inconsistent. And, um, but yet he has such a high upside, right? Like this, this guy could be 35, 40 goal scorer. I I think if he's in, you know, the right kind of role, like we've seen what he, he can do when he's hot. Like he's been on runs where he scores eight goals in five games and stuff like that. And, uh, so I think it's really interesting to see um, kind of what what his trade market and trade value will be. But I, if I were the Leafs GM, I, I think I would try to get maybe two solid players in exchange for him uh, rather than a one-for-one, one, just to try to make the team a little bit deeper and uh, fill some of those holes, like, uh, like I said, with the physicality. Yeah, maybe you could kind of make a Kachuk-like trade. And, you know, I mean, really, that would be pretty good if, if the Leafs were kind of able to get something like what the flames got for Kachuk. If they were to get like a really under underrated defenseman, like Uyghur, yeah, you know, I, I think automatically Devon Taves comes to my mind because not only is he underrated, but pretty soon Colorado is going to have to make a big, pretty big decision between Bowen Byram and Devon Taves pretty soon. Cause they just can't afford all those guys or Samuel Girard. You know, they, they can't afford all four of those guys along with Makar. They're going to, you know, you can't have four defensemen making over 5 million. Or, or six million or whatever. So, I mean, Taves comes to mind as a really underrated, you know, strong defensive player that, you know, just like Weger could kind of fill fill a hole that the Leafs really need to fill, right? Like, they don't really have that true number one defenseman. I really think that Devon Taves is that. I mean, people probably don't think of him think of him as that, but I, I know, I know, I've talked about him before. I think he's one of the best defensemen in the league, and. You know that would be a great pickup for the Leafs, and if, if they were to add on like somebody else, you know, I mean, I guess it was Colorado, you know, another player. I don't know. Nobody's really coming to my mind right now. But if they were to add like a, you know, like a the second line, line scorer, yeah, somebody like that, like a second line scorer as well, you know, that would be a pretty fair trade. I would, I would think, and you know, maybe we'll see uh, Tree Living do something like that. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I agree. And- uh, kind of just going back to that too. It's like it's it's so hard to, you know, think about uh, what other teams value Nylander at. Because I think across the league, everyone's gonna ve- uh, uh, value him differently. I should say. So, um, yeah, like if you're looking at a playoff team, I don't think he's gonna get traded to a playoff team because I don't think he's necessarily a guy that's gonna push you over the edge because of that inconsistency. But uh, I can maybe see him going to like a team that's just outside and maybe trying to make a splash. So. 
maybe maybe he goes to the Flames. He, 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 he yeah, Tree Living makes a makes a deal with his his old team. Uh, that's that's one team that's kind of on the outside of looking in. Maybe he goes to like a Nashville. Even the Penguins are kind of on the outside of looking in. But um, anyways, going into our uh, next topic, our, our last bit of NHL news. And uh, speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Kyle Dubas has been hired as their president of uh, hockey operations uh, just this weekend. Um, you're you're the biggest Pens fan that I know, so I, I kind of just want to give this one to, over to you. Yeah, honestly, I haven't heard much about it. I just heard about it today on my lunch break, so I don't have a ton to think about. But you know, it's, it's kind of been rumored for a long time now, right? That, that Dubas, you know, at least in the Penguins community, you know, everybody is <laughs> has been talking about Dubas. He's been the hot topic for the last like month. You know, people have just been saying. Oh, Dubas is the next Pens GM. Even after, even after, like he said that, you know, it'll be the Leafs or no one, right? And so it was kind of funny that people just kind of kept this false hope up, and then eventually it comes true. Even after he said that, like, I'm not going to any other team, which is kind of weird. But yeah, you know, honestly, I, I think it's a great move for the Penguins. I think that, you know, I, you know, I've talked about it before. Like, I think that. GMs need to take a more analytical perspective. And I know that Dubas has kind of been stereotyped as, you know, one of the younger GMs in the league that kind of values that stuff a bit more. And I think that that, that would be great. I mean, I can tell you right now that if Ron Hextel valued analytics, that he wouldn't have protected Jeff Carter over Jared McCann and he wouldn't have traded for McCall Granlin. I can tell you that right now. So, yeah. so, I mean, that takes moves like that off the books already. So that's a, that's a big relief knowing that Dubas isn't going to do something really, really bad like that. But he was actually hired as the president of hockey ops, right? So, yeah, yeah I think I've seen that he, he's he's going to be hiring a GM. It's up to him. And I think he won't make that decision until sometime in July. I think he said that, you know, it'll get down to like some candidates and he'll narrow it down at sometime in July, which is like after free agency. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of his job throughout figuring out if they're going to re-sign Jari and Zucker and all that. So he's definitely got a lot on his plate starting right away here. He'll be really busy, especially with the draft as well. But yeah, like, and even for the draft, I think that, you know, he, he's made some nice picks over the years for the Leafs. Like, I think of Topi Niemela. He was like a second-round pick. He, he won like the, the defenseman of the tournament in Finland. I haven't heard his name much since then, but, you know, he, he's made some good picks over the years. Matthew Nyes as well. Obviously, yeah. was like a second-round pick. I think, and he's already looking like a steal already. So, you know, the, the Penguins haven't got many draft steals <laughs> in like a decade, to be honest. So yeah. it would be nice to maybe get one of those this year. No, for sure. And uh, I don't know, you, you can let me know what you think about this because, you know, you, you know the uh, direction that the Penguins want to go and that they should go. But uh, when I think of Kyle Dubas, I, I think of someone who is very, you know, he's, in the, he's an aggressive GM. I guess you, I guess you could say, and he, he's definitely always in the win now mindset. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. I think that could, uh, you know, be really good for the Penguins short term, but it could be very, you know, detrimental to them in the long term because I do think they have a strong enough uh, core and team right now to, you know, get back to the playoffs and maybe, you know, make some noise. But uh, going into the future, uh, they they definitely still have an older team, right? So I'm going to be kind of intrigued to see how he handles that older roster kind of retiring. Like, is he going to be wanting to go like kind of rushing to rebuild or uh, is he going to be kind of realizing that uh, it is time to rebuild? And I, I think that maybe 
relies on how big the market was too in Toronto that maybe he felt some sort of pressure to always have a win now type of team just because definitely uh, yeah. the, the Leafs were one of the biggest if not the biggest market in in hockey right so um, it'll be interesting to see if he felt that pressure from the Leafs in that market and maybe I don't want to say in a smaller market like Pittsburgh but probably somewhere where you're going to get a little, a little bit less pressure and media attention um, just because of their recent success that uh, you're gonna you know like Maybe he'll handle that job a little bit better, just with, uh, with I don't know how 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 he likes to handle the team. Yeah, I've seen that he had a conversation with Crosby, and Crosby said that his only interest is to win or something. It's it's still like that's all he's worried about is trying to win a fourth cup. For sure. So and and obviously, I mean, whatever Crosby wants, <laughs> it's probably the way the franchise is going to go until yeah. he retires, right? So, and I think that that's actually probably the main reason Dubas wanted to stay, because you know, I mean, really, everybody knows that a dark rebuild is coming for the Penguins. So I think sure. that honestly, if I was Dubas, I would probably just try to keep the window open as long as you can, and then just probably just have somebody else deal with it in the future you know what i mean because that's what that's what he's done right now it's probably yeah i mean it's probably going to be like a a good half dozen years you know down in the in the ditch for the penguins like kind of like the red wings here for for the longest time now so yeah i think you kind of hold that offer as long as you can as long as crosby is here that's that's how it's going to be i think because he's not going to want to rebuild and you know as long as those guys are still here. They're, the Penguins are still going to be good enough to compete sure. until the until Crosby, Malkin, and Latang retire. I mean, that's that's still you know two elite centers. I would say. I mean, Malkin's fallen off a little, and Latang is, I guess, probably still a top pair defenseman, at least like on the power play, right? So, I mean, those guys are enough right there to keep you in the playoff hunt. And then if you just put enough talent around them, then they can still be a decent playoff team. I I really don't think that. The Penguins are in as much trouble as you know people might think. Obviously, for the future they are, but as as far as like next year, like the immediate future, I think that they could easily make the playoffs next year. I mean, for sure, they they missed it on the playoffs this year by like what one point, two points. Yeah, and you we've know, seen what eight seeds can do. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> it, it 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 pains me to think about it because if Hextall just would have left the team the way it was at the end of last season, like a year ago, the Penguins would be like contenders still, in my opinion. But he just ruined it so much over the last year that they they didn't even make the playoffs. But I think that like if Dubas can buy out Granlund, I know that the buyout wouldn't even be that expensive. I think it's like under a million for the next three years, according to Cap Friendly, which is like really accurate with their stuff. So I mean that that gets off like three more years of a five million dollar fourth liner. Like yeah, sure. that, that's a, that's a no brainer in my opinion. There's nothing you can do about Jeff Carr at this point. I mean. Just that was just a bad lost cause, bad move by Hextall. He's still got a year left with a full no move clause. You're just kind of gonna have to ride it out, and then you know, hopefully, he moves on or signs elsewhere. Hopefully, we don't resign him, to be honest. <laughs> but <laughs> just because honestly, but yeah, and it, you know, maybe they can trade for somebody or, or sign somebody. You know, maybe, maybe Dubas will uh, sign Michael Bunting. I know he's one of the bigger free agents available. I think he's you know, a pretty solid middle six player. I, I think he's kind of exactly what the Penguins need. Like you look at all the cup winning teams of the year, they, they always have those guys, right? Like we, we've talked, we talked about it last episode. You know, every team has the the Blake Coleman's, you know, the 
Sam Bennett's, right? Like yeah. the, the Penguins when they had Hornquist. So, and, and like even like Zach Hyman on the Oilers. Like sure. I know you, you've talked about how much you love the way he plays. Yeah. And the, the Penguins are really lacking that in my opinion. So I think, you know, if they can fix their goaltending situation, I know that, you know, there's probably a couple guys that they can maybe trade for. Thatcher Demko comes to mind for me. I think he would be a great option. After a down year, I think his value would be lower than it will ever be. And I think you could probably bet on a guy like that bouncing back in the future. So, I, th- you know, I would look into going for him. Even even somebody like Karel Vamelka, or even I've thought about Semyon Varlamov, who everybody forgets about. But he was a Vezna finalist just a couple years ago, and he still puts up great numbers. Is probably the best backup in the league. So yeah. I think if you if you wanted to maybe trade for Vamelka, who probably wouldn't be that expensive, like a second round pick, and then or even sign Jari as long as he didn't want ter- like term and a lot of money, as long as it was reasonable. And then sign Varlamov, and then just have them split time, like Varlamov and Jari, or Varlamov and Famelka. That's a yeah. mouthful, <laughs> you know. But like, if you had those guys split time, I think that would kind of be better than the goaltending situation has been probably since Flurry, so or Murray even. So yeah, I, I think buying out Granlund, fixing the goaltending situation, and then signing a guy like Bunting—that's what I would be doing. <laughs> That, that was a really good in-depth analysis. That was that was, that was awesome. And, I mean, I yeah. think about this all the time, right? I'm a Penguins <laughs> fan, so I have a lot to say. Yeah, no, that was awesome, and I, I agree with everything you said. And uh, one thing I kind of just wanted to touch on um, was that uh, you uh, you kind of mentioned uh, the Red Wings just quickly there, and it's it's kind of funny because I, I like Dubas a lot too, and uh, so I'm not trying to knock on him or anything, but uh, as far as his you know aggressiveness, it's almost like the opposite of the Iser plan where. Eiserman has, you know, kind of started teams from the bottom and he's built them up and then he leaves before they get good. Where Dubas has kind of built a team that's good and then he leaves before they get really bad. So it's kind of funny to see that you mentioned that because I wanted to bring that up. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty much all that we have for NHL news. Uh, should we get into the Stanley Cup final preview? Yeah, I, I mean, there's one more thing I wanted to mention. There was this quote from Barry Trotz today in, in an interview. He said about the upcoming draft, he said that he told his scouts to, quote, take some swings, take some high-end swings on some guys, then adds, I can find you th- I can find you third-line, fourth-line guys, no problem. Go get me some guys that get people out of their seats. Hmm. So this is something that I think is a really interesting topic, just the way that people approach or the way that GMs or management, whoever the scouts approach the draft, you know, there, there's really so many different ways that you can draft and so many different reasons to like a player and dislike a player, right? So many different traits. I've, I've long been a big believer in taking the highest upside player you can get, you know, last year I would have, like if I was a Penguins, you know, I always think of the, if I was a Penguins, cause I'm a Penguins fan. Sure. I, like I don't know why we were drafting Owen Pickering for Brad Lambert, right? Like, yeah. y- you know, like in my that view, look great for us. Exactly. Like in my view, awesome with T birds. Yeah, and I mean that's that was so obvious in my opinion that he would be that good. I just can't believe he fell to thirtieth. Like, like if people really watched him, you could tell by his skating and skill set alone that he's not a thirtieth pick. Like he's a top ten pick in my opinion based off his skill alone. I mean, he's one of the best skaters in the draft last year, one of the most skilled players as well. And he was just in a bad situation in Finland. And 
what do you know? He comes over to North America, plays in the WHL, and he's one of the best players in that whole league. And and, and he's been on a tear in the playoffs, which I, I, I'm 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 not surprised by that at all. That he's getting this different opportunity. But back to what I was saying, like in my opinion, I don't think that Owen Pickering is going to be more than a second pair defenseman at best. You know, you know, he he's kind of one of those high floor, low upside guys where he's going to be like probably a third pair defensive defenseman kind of guy, maybe second pair if he, if his if he can develop well. But I don't know personally, I would just never be drafting a guy like that over a guy like Lambert or Lane Hudson or Seamus Casey. Like like I would never be drafting uh, Maverick Lamoureux like. 29th overall he's like six foot eight he's yeah. you know like he's has not much upside like i would never be drafting those guys before late you know lambert and hudson and like i i just think that you can get like you can't you can't get brad lambert anywhere but the draft but sure, you can yeah. get guys like owen pickering every year in free agency yeah you know every year on waivers there's really good players if if you you know pay attention i mean look at what sonny milano did for the capitals this year you know, like he was put on waivers i think or no he was a free agent to like the last second and then the flames signed him to a pto and then they'd cut him for whatever reason and then the capitals picked him up on waivers and he was like one of their best players this year yeah you look yeah, at El- awesome you look at ellie tolvanen on the yeah. kraken he was a waiver pickup as well really bad move by john hines i, I thought that was very predictable i mean good defensive forward with a really good shot. He's a young player. Like you can't put a guy like that on a waiver. You just got to give him a chance. Right. If anything, send him down to figure things out, but you can't just let him go for nothing. And, and there's even Jacob Vrana, right? I know he was in a bit of a different situation because of, you know, you know, his mental health and stuff, how he had to step away from the game for a while, Mm -hmm. but still, I mean, he's one of the best goal scorers in the league over the last few years, like at least with goals per 60 minutes. Like he, he was like top five in the league, which is crazy. Like you got to claim a guy like that on waiver. So, you know, you can find, you can find those third and fourth line guys every year on waivers if you pay attention. So I just don't, I wouldn't waste a pick, not waste, but I wouldn't use my first over or first round pick on a guy like that. When you can get a potential, you know, top line player like Lambert or Lane Hudson. Yeah, for sure. I I, I completely agree with everything you said. And uh, I think going in, uh, now we should start going into the uh, Stanley Cup final preview. So uh, obviously we got the Panthers versus the Golden Knights. Um, in our conference final prediction, you had uh, Panthers in seven, or I believe it was Panther, Panthers in seven, maybe it was Panthers in six. And I had Carolina in seven, but I said that I really wanted the Panthers to make it. And the big thing for you was that you, you said that you don't want to bet against the Panthers again. And now here we are. And they, they did it again, right? So it, it seems crazy to think that the Panthers aren't the favorites going into this. And uh, yeah, I think for the preview, we kind of just start with the Panthers side and then we'll go into the Golden Knights side a little bit later. But uh, yeah, just based on uh, some, some research I did today, Panthers in their last 12 games, they are 11 and 1. 11 and 1 in playoff games. I know. In their last 12 since, playoff games. Since they were down like 3 1 to Boston. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think they've game game five from game I, I, five in the first round until now they're eleven and one. Like it's crazy. I don't, I don't think they've lost a road game this playoffs. Like, it, like it's crazy. In fact, like I know they haven't. Like it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and they've beaten Boston. They've beaten Toronto, and they've beaten Carolina. 
and I believe they were all like top three or top four teams in the regular season. So it's it kind of seems like this is like the hardest way to do it. But uh, I mean, if they can beat Vegas, they're going to beat four of the top five teams in the regular season standing. So if if they can find a way to do it, I, I think it'd probably be one of the most miracle seasons we've ever seen, definitely in my lifetime. Just who who would have expected this to happen? And uh, I think pretty much everyone in the world that has a little bit of hockey sense in them had. Bruins winning four out in that first series, so it's it's pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, like just to see the Panthers here uh, being led by Kachuk and Bobrovsky, uh, Barkov, Verhage, all those guys have really stood out to me this uh, this postseason so far. And uh, Montour, Montour as well. Yeah, Montour. I want to say he had a really good first series, but the last two series he hasn't really stuck out to me as much. And obviously, it's really tough to uh, to, to top that. Um, first series where you had like three goals or something like that and had an OT winner or two. So it, it's tough to, you know, top that. But I'm hoping that against uh, against the Golden Knights, he kind of, you know, comes out a little bit a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is such a tough decision, like who to choose between these these two teams. Like, like you look at Florida and you think like they're just on the most miracle run ever. And it's like those teams never win. They never seem to win. Like you think of the Montreal Canadians a few years ago, you know, I mean, St. Louis blues. That's true. That's true. But that's, that's like the only one I, 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 I can think of like the Dallas stars, I guess you could say a few years ago, you know, like it, it's rare that those teams go all the way. So <laughs> like, it's, it's such, such a tough decision. I'm not even convinced. I'm not even like, I don't even know who to choose yet. Like, Vegas is definitely better defensively. Like they're more physical, they're bigger. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want to bet against the team that just beat Boston, the best regular season team ever, and then Toronto and Carolina. I mean, Carolina won their division. I think they were like second in the league or third in the league or something. Mm -hmm. And then Toronto was like fourth in the league or something. So, like, man, I wouldn't want to bet against that. And one of the other reasons is that I would. I'm probably going to go with Florida here is because of Bobrovsky and the difference between him and Hill. I know that Hill has been on this crazy run as well, but I just think like, you know, Hill has looked beatable at times. Like I know he had a tough game against Dallas the one night, I think where Dallas won six, two, I think that was game five or game four mm -hmm. in this conference final series where, you know, he looked, you know, he looked breakable if you will. And with Bobrovsky, I mean, he's just been lights out. Like he hasn't had a, he hasn't had a night off all playoffs. Like it, it's crazy. And, and I know again, it, you know, these runs have to end at some point, but maybe not. Like it, it's so hard to choose. I'm gonna go with Florida. <laughs> it, it's such a tough choice, but just because I don't want to bet against a team that beat all those teams out, and I think Bobrovsky really has the motivation that. He's, you know, he's kind of been lacking. If I guess, you know, in the past couple of regular seasons, he finally has it. And you know, I think he was like crying uh, when they scored the goal late, like when Kachuk scored with like two seconds left in Game Four. Yeah. You know, which automatically meant they were going to win the series and go to the final. I think there was like a clip of him where he was like wiping his eyes before going to get a drink, starting to tear up because of how much it meant to him. Like, I mean, he's like 33, 34 years old, right? Like, he's never. Yeah. I think this is, this is definitely the farthest he's ever been in the playoffs. He, he played with Columbus, Philadelphia his whole career. Yeah. <laughs> two two not very good playoffs. Criticized too for being overpaid. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I would like to see him win it, and I think he's going to be lights out, and I think he's going to win the Consmith and 
Florida's going to win the conference for the first yeah. time ever, right? No, like, I, I, I think I'm also on that train. I, I got Panthers in six, to be honest. Um, like you kind of previously previously mentioned, um, I think the only edge uh, that the Vegas has in the series is that defensively they are a better team. But Florida just beat, I think, uh, the best defensive team in the whole NHL in, in the Hurricanes, right? So I'm not really too worried about that in, anymore, right? So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going Panthers in six for sure. I, I think uh, Kachuk's just been on this miracle run that I, I think he's going to go and, and get the Smythe. Um, I, I hope we get to see like a, a an overtime uh, like winner that clinches the cup or something like that. That'd, that'd be awesome to see. But um, yeah, as far as the goaltending, which I, I know that has been very um, kind of you know that's it's been uh, a, a topic of conversation uh, when previewing the Stanley Cup Finals that everyone thinks that uh, Bobrovsky is is a huge uh, kind of giant compared to Hill, and they're uh, they're not really comparable. But if you look at their stats. They they are pretty comparable. And Bobrovsky has an eleven and two record, while Hill has a seven and three. So you know quite a few more wins. But uh, like like we said, Panthers have also been eleven and one in their past twelve. Um, but when you go to the other stats, they're also very comparable. And uh, Bobrovsky has a two point two one goals against average this playoffs, while Hill has a two point oh seven. Uh, so which is you know quite a bit better. And then their goals against average is. Uh, nearly identical and just comes down to 0.002 difference. So like half a shot, I guess you could say. So um, yeah, like these, these stats are very comparable. So I, I don't want to, you know, be the guy that says Bobrovsky is going to be the, 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 the factor over Hill because I, according to the stats, I, I don't think that is the case um, when it comes to the cup final, obviously experiences uh, something that you look at, but um like like we've said all all playoffs, Hell doesn't have any experience, but he just keeps on winning, right? So, um, it, it'll be interesting to see where uh, if he can if he cracks under pressure in the Stanley Cup final. That now that it's a little bit more intense, but um, he's gone against uh, Skinner, he's gone against uh, Ottinger, and, he, and he's gone gone against Hellebuck. Which I mean, Ottinger and Hellebuck, you know, on paper they're some of the most like uh, some of the best goalies in the league, right? So. Um, and and definitely have a lot of experience under the belt under their belt as well. So um, yeah, I don't think goaltending is something that's going to be um, you know a huge factor on, on why a team wins or loses a series. Man, goal, goalies are voodoo, man. Like they're such like they're so inconsistent. It's it's crazy. Like you know, obviously, I think that goaltending is probably the most important position. For sure. Yeah. Like, like yeah, I mean, playoffs, look at the, so, yeah. look at the two best teams or the two best goalies in the playoffs. But like, as far as trying to predict a goalie, like you know, you could drive yourself nuts trying to you know get the right goalie to win a cup, and then you get your Matt Murray's and your Jordan Bennington's and your Aiden Hills yeah. and your Sergey Bobrovsky who randomly resurrects from the <laughs> dead for this playoff run. Like, like, and, and then you get Vasilevsky who has a bad playoffs, and you know. Uh, Jake Ottinger really let the stars down this year, in it's my brutal. opinion. Like, right, Level like, Demko. Yeah, like, it, it's just, like, how are you supposed to predict it? it? It's, like, it's the most important position probably in the playoffs. You know, pretty much every team that wins a cup, you know, probably 70% of the time, it's it's the team with the best goalie in the playoffs. And, like, you can just never, like, very rarely predict who who, who that's going to be. So it's, it's just kind of funny. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, it's it's almost like it's it's pretty lucky. It, it, like, you can't predict it. No matter, no matter uh, 
how hard you try, you're not going to predict Bobrovsky having this run and Hill having this run, right? Like yeah. you just, you don't, you don't know. It's kind of lucky. Yeah, for sure. And going to the Vegas side, do you have any, any confidence in, in Vegas, you know, maybe like, cause I, I think they actually are the favorites to, to win this, to win the series. Um, just based on obviously their, their regular season has a huge impact on that and home ice advantage, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on the Panthers. So I don't really see many reasons, honestly, where, I, like where I see Vegas winning this. Um, I, I think Jack Eichel is a huge X factor for them. If, if Eichel can get hot, he's going to be like another Mac, Matthew Kachuk on their team. Right. So, um, yeah, if Eichel can get hot, I think that's going to be huge for them. But from what I've seen so far, um, I, I got Panthers in six for sure. Yeah, I think the series could go one of two ways. I think that it's probably either going to end kind of early and be a disappointing series, and Florida's going to win in like five or six, kind of like what they did to Carolina. Or Vegas will do what Carolina couldn't, and they'll beat them in like seven, and it'll go deep and have some overtimes where it's just, you know, just, you know, one shot. Who knows who's going to win an OT, and, you know, Vegas maybe gets those bounces. So I think it could go one of those two ways. You know, I'll probably go with Florida in six as well. I know it's it's the same thing that you you went with, but uh, I just I don't see Vegas like if Carolina could, couldn't do it, I don't think Vegas could because yeah. you know I, I would say that Vegas is definitely worse defensively than Carolina. They might be a bit better offensively, and then they're I probably so better too. in net. But I, I don't think that that makes the difference of however many games, right? And and, and in fairness to Carolina, like they played way better than a sweep, right? Like Rod, For Rod sure. Brindabor even yeah. said it in his like year end presser or whatever. He, he said that it wasn't a sweep. Like I was there. I, I, I watched the games. Like, yeah. like we didn't get swept. Like we did, but you know, like we didn't it actually. Like it, yeah. Like it, yeah. Because, and, and it didn't because honestly, Carolina easily could have won three, maybe even all four of those games. Like they, sure. I think they outshot them in all four. Right. So, yeah. you know, Florida's just kind of been getting the bounces and that's what you need. Like, I think that honestly, winning a cup is probably like at least fifty percent luck between goaltending <laughs> and, and getting luck. the bounces. I, I don't know. I mean, man, the Penguins have been so unlucky ever, the last bunch of years, the last like five years probably. And they were a lucky team when they won the cups, man. Like, like you look at that when when they got when they played uh, Nashville in twenty seventeen. They didn't get a shot for the whole second period. I remember this. It was like game one of the Stanley Cup final. They yeah. didn't get a shot for like 43 minutes or something. And the first shot they had in 43 minutes, they scored. Yeah. And they won that game by like one goal. Like, it, yeah. it's like, it, it's, you can't predict goaltending and it's just, you got to get the bounces. It, it's probably not 50% luck. That was probably a pretty bad take, but yeah. it's, it's definitely like a decent chunk of it. Like, it's, you know, it's better like, to be lucky than good. I, I don't exactly. I don't know about the exact percentage of luck, what it is, but like you have to be lucky to win. You just have to be. And Florida's Florida's been getting the bounces, and I think it's probably going to keep going here. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing that I kind of want to say about the series is, uh, when thinking about your prediction, I I kind of want to factor in like the adversity that the teams have have faced, and like Vegas hasn't really faced any adversity. They they lost game one to the Jets, uh, not a big deal, but then they. They won four out from there. Uh, they beat the Oilers in six, I believe. Um, they, they 
didn't really have too much trouble with them. The only games that they lost were because Dryers had all scored like four goals in a game or something like that. And that's, that, that doesn't happen every game, right? So, and then they, they beat Dallas pretty handily too, right? So they haven't really faced much adversity while the Panthers are the exact opposite. They they were down 3-1 to the President's Trophy uh, winning Boston Bruins and not just any President's Trophy winner, arguably maybe the best regular season team ever. They were down 3-1 to them. Uh, they scored, or they had two overtime uh, overtime winners uh, in their barn. like, And then they bounce back from that, and they go on this huge run, like we've said, like 11-2, and right? So, uh, or 11-1, I think it is. So, yeah, their their backs have been against the wall, and they've performed while Vegas haven't, hasn't really had their back against the wall. So if they go down 1-0 in game one, or maybe even 2-0, they're, they go down 2-0 going back, uh, or going on the road, I should say, like they they haven't faced that adversity yet. Well, the Panthers definitely have, right? So in mud uh, and under even like kind of crazier circumstances against, uh, I would say, better teams with the Bruins, right? So, it I I think that's something to think about too. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh that where where the Gold Knights, you know, if they can persevere under that or if they kind of crack because they have a mixed roster of guys who have been there before and guys who haven't. So uh, yeah, I think that's gonna be interesting too. Yeah, I think you nailed that. It's, it's going to be a really good series. Like, who 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 could have predicted this? Like, like I mean, two teams that have never won the cup before, right? Yeah, I think right. Like Florida made yep. the final once in like yeah. you know, what ninety five or ninety three, I think. It's been a while. Yeah, like and Vegas. Obviously, this is like their fifth fifth or sixth year in the league and yep. you know they've made the they've made the conference final like four of the six years they've been in the league or something i've seen some yep. crazy post like that's just crazy like vegas fans have definitely been pretty lucky and yeah yeah we're, we'll see i think it's going to be a good series I, I hope we go seven and i hope we get some cool overtime moments this playoffs has been honestly i think it's been really good i know that the, like a lot of people have been saying oh it's been boring like Nobody cares about the teams left and stuff, but like, I don't know. I like, I don't see it that way. Like, I know that the teams, you know, are, I guess are probably fairly unpopular teams, at least in Canada, but the games have been amazing. Like there's been yeah. so many late comebacks, you know, there's been so many clutch goals. There's been so many overtimes. Like I think it broke some records for like the amount of overtime games we've had in like all three series so far. It's been crazy. So I don't know. I think the quality of hockey has been really good. There's been a lot of close games. There's been a lot of blows too, but there's just been a lot of, I think more like crazy late game overtime comeback moments, all that. There's been more than usual, I think this year. So I think it's been a good playoff run. Yeah, I agree. This playoffs have been awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be a Panthers fan just for this series, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be happy either way. Honestly, like I, I'm don't get me wrong, I, I don't like Vegas at all. I've never been a fan of them, but it would be kind of cool to see the Stanley Cup parade going down the Las Vegas Strip. That'd be kind of cool to see. But um, yeah, I'm I'm going with the Panthers in six. Uh, I, I I think you are too. So yeah, honestly, it's just the last thing I'll say is that it's refreshing to see a new team win the cup. You know, like yeah. the last whatever dozen years it's been you know probably half those years has been pittsburgh chicago la tampa right like so like it's nice to see some some new teams like i said both teams that have never won the cup so no matter what we're going to see something we've never seen before yep for sure and uh it'll be really exciting to see whatever happens so uh, i think with that all being said uh thanks for listening have a good one